0: You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us for another episode. Um, if this is your first time listening, we want to say welcome to you. We want to uh, ask you to come on in and stay a while, listen to what we have to say. And if you enjoy what you're you're hearing and you like the content, we'd ask for you to become a subscriber and download our content on a regular basis. Uh, we produce content. Um, now it's a little bit more Um, I guess hit or miss when we're producing content, but we try to about every other week produce content and release those on Sunday evenings at 8 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can find our podcast pretty much on any of the podcast applications. That's Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, you name it. We're there. Look for Bonfire Ministries, and you'll find us uh, there. You can also mosey on over to our Facebook page. Uh, We also have some information there about the ministry, and you can hear uh, episodes that are posted there. So if you haven't done so already, go Go over to Facebook, give us a like, give us a thumbs up there. Uh, That'll help us get uh, our videos out uh, and our our episodes out to further people. And as always, we want to um, encourage you to to start a conversation with us. We'd love to hear from our listeners, love to hear where you're listening from, uh, maybe what you like and what you don't like about the podcast. So you can email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com. Again, that's bonefireministries at gmail.com. I encourage you, uh, send us an email. It can just be a Quick email just to say hi, um, and we'd love to love to hear from you and give you a shout out online. So, uh, well, Dad, we're back. Um, it's been a few weeks since we've uh, released an, a new episode, but we're back in our study, Living Faith, our study through the the Book of James. And um, I'm excited to get in our, our topic today and kind of pick up where we left off here in chapter one. Our first two episodes in this series, we were examining um, a living faith and how it perseveres both trials and temptations. And so if you haven't catched those uh, two episodes, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those. Um, I think you'll find some really good information there. I know you and I were just talking uh, before we got started, Dad, and and when we recorded those, we we said, well, if it didn't uh, help anybody else, it helped us. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was something that we we needed to hear, and so hopefully you'll find those to be a blessing. And on this episode, we're going to begin to to go into the rest of chapter one. We'll be picking up uh, here at verse 19 and going through the end of uh, the chapter, Um, and we're going to be discussing the interaction between living faith and the word of truth. And so our study tonight has two major points. If you take notes, these two points you want to write down, we, we want to make sure that you don't miss these. And the first is that a Christian with a living faith receives the word of truth. Okay? The Christian with a living faith receives the word of truth. The second is a Christian with a living faith does as the word of truth instructs. Okay. And so let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to start at verse 19 and begin first by looking at the reception of the word of truth. So if you got your Bible, I encourage you to turn with us over to James chapter one, again, starting at verse 19, and we'll be going through the uh, end of the chapter there. So let me read this for us here. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, I'm going to read that one more time. So then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, Dad, we were talking right before we got started. Um, About uh, this particular section of scripture, scripture. it is uh, probably very familiar to all people. Mm -hmm. I would say that most people uh, up there with John three sixteen, they can piece together these words in some form or fashion Mm -hmm. uh, because it's very notable. But many times this verse gets kind of taken out of context, just lifted right out of the the scripture, and just used to to discuss um, kind of a, a normal human interaction or social interaction with others. But we want to make sure that we. Drawing the contextual um, you know, verses around it and making sure that we're interpreting this the right way. And this verse actually pertains to, again, receiving the word of truth. And we can understand that by going back and looking at verse 18 that we discussed last time. So let's read that together. It says, "...of his own will he brought forth by the word of truth." Okay, keywords there word of truth that we might be the first kinds of first fruits of his creatures. And then if you go to verse 21, you'll see there that is also going to talk about the implanted word, the word of truth. So this verse in between here in the section of scripture that we're talking about is specifically about receiving the word of truth. And there's three things that I think James wants us to see here as we talk about receiving the word of truth. I want us to first look at the principle, and then we're going to look at the reason, and then ultimately we're going to look at the method before we move on and start talking about um, uh, acting on the what we hear from the word of truth. So, starting with that principle, verse 19 gives us the principle, and that principle is that we should be swift to, to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, I think all of us have heard the old saying, that God gave us two ears and one mouth to remind us that we should listen more than we talk. Mm -hmm. I think I even had an elementary school teacher there that I can remember. That was her go-to saying uh, when the kids were being noisy in the class. Uh, She would remind everyone that you've got two ears and one mouth, and God wants us to listen more uh, than we talk. And so I think James' message here in verse 19 is quite similar. Well, your grandmother used to tell your grandfather that all the time she so <laughs> liked to <it> talk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that may be where I've heard that as well. Yeah. And, so, um, and so, again, a very familiar uh, a saying there. And that's really James' message or similar message that we have here in verse 19. Jane issues a three part principle. Uh, for the reception of the word of truth. He says that we are too l- quick to listen, quick to listen. And and what does that mean? Uh, when I looked at that word in the original Greek text and everything, the word's actually translated quick. It means fast. But the phrase, when you say quick to listen, is not necessarily listening fast. It means that you're a Christian must concentrate their attention Uh, on what the word is saying, blocking out all of the distractions and listening and focusing in on what the word of truth has to say. That's what it means to be quick to listen. James goes on to say that we must be slow to speak. That means uh, as Christians, we must control our tongues. Too many times we argue with God's word. And you may say, well, I don't argue with God's word, but whether we do it audibly, sometimes we do it in our hearts and our mind. Mm-hmm. And many times we know what God's word says. We know what God's commandments are, but we, in our own stubborn, sinful way, say, yeah, "I'm not going to do that. I don't think. I don't really think that applied in this situation." And James is telling us, "No, no, no. Don't, don't argue with the word of God." Listen to what the word of God has to say. Don't speak. Let it sink in. Let it uh, develop into you. I like what, uh, the, of course, the the writer of Proverbs, where we get all wisdom from the Bible. Proverbs ten nineteen it says, he that refraineth his lips is wise. Mm-hmm. I like that one, Dad. I'm oftentimes, uh, my wife always tells me that I don't uh, talk a lot. She likes to talk and I don't like to talk. Uh, but I like these verses, I'm gonna we'll have to use them sometime and just say, Well, you know, the the one who's wise doesn't talk all that much. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that'll go over well, but I'm I gonna don't try know it. About that. Uh, Proverbs seventeen twenty seven, he that hath knowledge uh, spareth his words. I like that one, too. Mm-hmm. So again, someone who's got knowledge spares his words, not going around babbling all the time and definitely not trying to argue with the word of God. James goes on to tell us that we should also be slow to wrath. That means Christians must contain their anger. Now, I know a lot of people struggle with that uh, from time to time. Even I've struggled with it. Uh, but that means that we should not get angry at God or his word. And you, you may say, well, again, I, I've never gotten angry at God. But again, it may not be an outburst of anger that that you can see. But I, I've, I've known people that have times they've taken issue with God. They've taken issue with his word and, and the fact that it, it says right is right and wrong is wrong and, and that it's not something that's gray or can be uh, applied in different manners and, and different ways. Uh, we can't get mad at God's word. We should be slow to, to anger.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor and a preacher. And. I would say that uh, through the years, there's probably been times when when uh, people vented their anger towards me because I'm just speaking the Word and what the Word says. I always tell people, look, I don't have a picture up there at the pulpit and circle the ones I'm after. I just preach, and that's it's one thing to be on the podium. You're looking above people, over their heads a lot of times, and just saying what God's Word says, and believe me, uh, anything I as a pastor says— um, I got three fingers pointing back to me. Sure. You know, and so, but, but yeah, sometimes people get uh, wrong at the messenger. You sure. Know? Take, for instance, we named our podcast Bonfire because of Jeremiah. That's right. And uh, the king and the people got. Got mad at him as the messenger from God and put him in jail. That's right. You know? And he was actually thinking about, I don't know if I want to keep speaking. And then he said, Mo, oh, it's like a fire in my bones. I got to. Yeah, I can't stop. Know? I can't stop.
0: Yeah. That's exactly right. I like another verse from Proverbs here. This is Proverbs 14, 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty uh, of spirit exalteth in folly. So again, uh, writer of Proverbs they are telling us that. Uh, those who are wise, they control their temper, they they control their emotions, their anger, and don't let that take over. So James gives us again, this three point uh, principle here that we should be quick to listen, we should be slow to speak, and we should be slow to raft. Now, obviously, when I first started this, I was talking about people taking this out of context, but I do think it is appropriate. These are some good life principles as well that you can apply uh, to, to your everyday life that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you should listen uh, more than, than you speak and you should be slow to anger because anytime someone goes and, and, and is anger and is is jumping to conclusions very quickly, it usually ends poorly. And so, Dad, let's now look at the reason. And I want us to move on to verse 20 here. So let's look at verse 20 together. It says, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I have a little quote here that I thought of. It says, people who jump into reaction always make bad landings. Um, so anytime that someone goes into to being mad hastily or goes into speaking hastily, chances are that's going to end poorly mm. because they haven't got all the information that they need. But James tells us here that the wrath of man does not promote the work of God. It's actually opposite. of of what God is. God is righteous. God is good. God is holy. And wrath and our anger is complete opposite. I like the way that Robert Morgan summed it up, this relationship between anger and righteousness of God. Uh, He says that uh, a holy life never grows out of an angry spirit. He says bitterness never makes us better. A hot temper never leads to higher ground. Positive accomplishments for the Lord. Are never produced by angry passions. And I thought that was pretty good how he wrapped that up there to say that really there's no good that can come from anger uh, and, and no good that can come from uh, being uh, hasty in, in, our, in our reaction and overreacting to things. So James tells us here the reason that we want to listen and the reason that we want to be slow to speak and we want to control our emotions is because it's counter to when we're not, we're being counter to the righteousness of God. We're being opposite of the goodness of God. He goes on to tell us then in verse 21, the method. So let's look at verse 21. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Uh, James here says that if you want to have a receptive, teachable heart that can receive the the word of truth, you must prepare it. And I, Dad, I like this verse. If we look here at verse 21 again, uh, he, James uses the term implanted word. And as I began to kind of study that phrase and understand it, obviously that's coming from uh, implanted is a, is a word that speaks of seed. And the word the Bible is often referred to as a seed all throughout Scripture And so, if you can imagine, here James is giving kind of an analogy here of a garden, Mm -hmm. and he's saying, "Hey, you've got all this filthiness, you got all this nastiness, and you need to get rid of that before you go planting something that's good." Mm -hmm. For those of you who like to garden, or maybe you're you're farming. Uh, that principle is the same. You wouldn't go out there with some nice uh, prize seed and go try and plant that in the midst of a thorn patch. Mm-hmm. No, you wouldn't do that. You would go in there and you would remove all of that debris. You would remove those thorns and those the vegetation that you don't want there. You may even use some type of spray to kill it and make sure that it doesn't come back. And Then you're going to go in and you're going to put your precious seed in the soil with the hope that what springs forth from the ground is the good seed that you want to, to have come forth. That's what James is saying here is that we need to lay aside, we need to get rid of the filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. Now, what is this filthiness and, and the wickedness that James speaks of? Well, it, it's sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's sin in every shape, form, and fashion. That he's referring to here, he he groups them as filthiness and wickedness. But you could name lust of the flesh, you could name adultery, you could name covetousness, you could uh, name gluttony, whatever it may be, uh, fits into this. Is that you need to get rid of that and clean your heart so that you're ready to receive the word of God. You know the thing about sin is it's not just incompatible with receiving God's word; it actually prevents the word from reaching a person's heart. Mm -hmm. And Dad, I've had this happen to me. I'm not not proud of it, but uh, there's been times where, um, for me, it it most often happens when uh, I'm maybe harboring some uh, anger or some bitterness at another person, and I'll get ready to to go and do my quiet time and, and read Scripture and pray, and it is literally like there is a black cloud that's sitting on top of me. And I read, but it's like it's... Not working. Mm -hmm. I pray and it's like the prayers aren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I've learned through uh, experience and, of course, reading God's will that that's sin getting in the way and messing up my reception with with God and and hindering the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Right. And so I've I've found through, again, experience that when I go to God and sometimes have to go to that person and say, you know, look, I've I've been kind of angry and upset over this and uh, I want to make it right And I ask God for forgiveness uh, for for kind of being that way with another person or another brother or sister in Christ. And it is amazing how once that is confessed, you can feel it being wiped away. And I go in to do a quiet time and a prayer time, and it's like that connection is there. I feel like a, I pray, and I'm touching heaven, and I can hear God mm-hmm. speaking back to me. That's what sin does. Sin is that block, is that barrier that keeps you from uh, connecting and communicating with, with God. And in this case, sin blocks you from receiving that implanted word. And it's so important that we get it because, as uh, James says here, it's it's the word, it's through the word Uh, that we have our soul saved because we know that's where our faith Faith comes from hearing the word. And by the preaching of the word, we hear it. Um, And so it's so important to hear God's word. Mm -hmm. It's so important to feast on it and have it planted and implanted inside of us because it's from that that we begin to have the Holy Spirit work through us and we're able to accomplish God's will in our life. That's right. That's right. So, Dad, we've talked a good bit uh, now about receiving God's word but it's one thing to just hear and and to receive it but it's a whole nother thing to take it to the next level and actually do what God tells us to do and James oh, yeah. has some instructions for us here that's the hard
1: part that's, that's right exactly right well uh, according to the scriptures we're not to be, just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Now, how do we respond? There's a couple of different ways that we can respond to the word of God. We can either be casual listeners or careful observers. Now, James speaks about being a casual listener in verse 23. But before we look at verse 23, I don't want to skip verse 22 because I mentioned about being a doer of the word. James says, but be doers of the word. That's how we're to act on the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And so he's talking about in verse 23 and 24 about being a casual listener. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now that word observe means to look carefully. This is not referring to just a casual glance. So picture a man that gets up in the morning, his hair is all over his head, uh, his beard is, is grown out from the day before, and he's got... Uh, food stuck between his front teeth, and he smiles, and he looks at himself, and, and he observes the, the flaws, how his hair is all messed up, and his, you know, how he's, he's got a, something stuck on his face over on his right cheek, and he observes all of this, he touches it, and then he walks away without uh, doing anything to correct what he saw you know, uh, he might get busy going outside to cut the grass. You know, my wife, she, through the years, uh, she would she would say, since I've always lived seemingly next to the church, you can't go out looking that way. You know, I so said, I'm going to cut the grass. Well, I don't care. You can't look that way, you know. So anyway, here's the guy. He looks at himself, and and he does not make any improvements even though he sees that there are improvements that need to be made you see unless a professing christian acts properly after hearing the word of god he will forget the changes and improvements uh, that his reflection showed him that he needed to make in other words you can you can sit out there and you can listen to the word of god in a church service and the holy spirit can reveal to you because the word is like a mirror can reveal to you the flaws and imperfections in your life but when the invitation time comes if, if you stand back and you don't go and you don't pour your heart out to God and say, God, forgive me, and I'm going to get up and I'm going to get up off my knees and I'm going to go out this church today and I'm going to live a different kind of life. Well, the time you go out to eat dinner with your friends and, uh, and y- your children uh, want you to go out there and play in the yard with them, by the end of the day, uh, the, what you've heard and what the word of God has revealed to you has escaped your mind. You know, that's being a casual listener. Now, James says we're not to be casual listeners. If the word's going to do us any good, we need to be careful observers. And that's found in verse 25. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Now, the... The Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament is oftentimes referred to as the law. And of course, we know that the Ten Commandments, and there's other laws in the Old Testament, but the moral law is throughout the Bible. And it is the perfect law. And it's the perfect law of liberty. You know, genuine freedom from sin is what liberty is talking about. As the Holy Spirit applies the principle of Scriptures to believers' hearts, they are freed from sin's bondage. And enabled to obey God, he says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So how can we respond to the Word of God? Well, you can be a casual listener. You can hear the Word, and it can go in one ear and basically come out the other and not allow the Word of God to stick and to transform your life. Or you can be a careful observer, and you can do what the Word of God lays on your heart you need to do. Now, there are many Christians today who refuse to look into the perfect law of liberty. They don't even like reading their Bible because they do not want to face the truth about Their lives. They would rather live in deception than to know the truth about themselves. They're like the African princess that George Sweeting tells about in one of his books. She lived in the heart of the uncivilized jungle, and for years, This chieftain's daughter had been told by all that she was the most beautiful woman in the entire tribe. Although she had no mirror to view herself, she had been convinced of her unparalleled beauty. Well, one day... When an exploring party traveled through that part of Africa, the princess was given a mirror as a gift. For the first time in her life, she was able to see her own reflection. Her immediate reaction was to smash the mirror on the nearest rock. Why? Because for the first time in her life, she knew the truth. What other people had told her all those years was of little importance. What she had believed about herself made no difference. She saw for the first time that her beauty was not genuine folks you need to be uh, a not just a casual listener but you need to be someone that is a careful observer observer now talking about being a doer of the word chuck swindoll in his book improving your serve gave a great illustration related to this logic he wrote let's pretend that you work for me in fact you're my executive assistant in a company that is growing rapidly I am the owner, and I'm interested in expanding overseas. To pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and stay there until a new branch office gets established. I make all the arrangements to take my family in the move to Europe for six to eight months, and I leave you in charge of the busy stateside organization. I tell you that I will write to you regularly and give you directions and instructions. I leave you, and I stay months past. A flow of letters are mailed from Europe and received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down to the office. I am stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high, a few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist's room and she is doing her nails, chewing gum, and listening to her favorite radio station. I look around and notice the waste baskets are overflowing, the carpet hasn't been vacuumed for weeks, and no one seems concerned that the owner has returned. I asked about your whereabouts and someone in the crowded lounge area points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Well, disturbed, I move in that direction and bump into you as you were finishing a chess game with your sales manager, I asked you to step into my office, which has been temporarily turned into a television room for watching afternoon soap operas. What in the world's going on? I asked, well, what do you mean? Well, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters? Oh, letters. Oh yeah, sure. Got every one of them. As a matter of fact, Uh, We have had a letter study every Friday night since you left. We've even divided all the personnel into small groups and discussed many of the things you wrote. Some of those things were really interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of your sentences and paragraphs. One or two memorized an entire letter or two. Great stuff in those letters. Okay, okay. You got my letters, you studied them, and meditated on them, and memorized them, but what did you do about them? Do. uh, We didn't do anything about them. <laughs> well, in our scripture passage, uh, as we continue on, we're going to look at three things that are true about those that are doers of the Word. We're to be a doer of the Word. Now, doer of the Word, according to James and the rest of this chapter, is going to have a controlled tongue, a compassionate heart, and a clean life. Now, I want you to go back. Let's all look at verse 26. James says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious, I mean, this is talking about the, the, the formal type of re- religious type of service. If any of you think that you're religious and uh, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Now, uh, and then he goes on to say, Talk about bridling the tongue. That, that's uh, holding the reins, pulling back on the reins on the tongue. And I'll tell you what, that's, it's easier said than is done. Now, con- to control the tongue means several things. And we're going to put more emphasis on this when we get over, what, chapter 3?
0: Yeah, chapter 3. In my Bible, it's, it's under the heading, The untamable Tongue, which is yeah. a, a great uh, subtitle there.
1: Right, that's right. Well, c- to control the tongue means, well, to avoid gossip. The little boy who misunderstood the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 to say, go into all the world and spread the gossip (laughs) expresses the feeling many people obviously have. You've heard the the song, I Love to Tell the Story. Well, I'd like to share with you the revised version of I Love to Tell the Story, The, the hymn. I love to tell the story of unseen things below, of people and their problems. Each detail do I know. I love to tell the story. Someone said it's true. To pass it on inspires me as nothing else could do. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it a rumor more complete. I love to tell the story. For some have never heard the things that I could tell them each vile and juicy word. (laughs) I love to tell the story for those who should know best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. But when I stand before God... And lay my life bare bare. 'Twill be a hard, hard lesson that there will be sins aplenty there. And then the chorus: I love to tell the story, but if I want to go to glory, I'd better tell the story of Jesus and His love. Now, spreading gossip's a terrible thing, and and many people have had their reputations destroyed all as a result of gossip. Proverbs 18:8 8 says, "The words of the talebearer are as wounds." and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Gossip has no place in the life of the Christian, and uh, you shouldn't spread it. And, you know, it's equally as bad to listen to it, to listen to it. And to control the tongue means to avoid gossip and also to avoid lying. When someone asked a little boy what the Bible said about lying, he answered, a lie is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help. In time of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Paul urged in Ephesians uh, 4, 5, he said, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So to control the tongue also means to avoid profanity. Someone has defined profanity as the effort of a feeble mind to express itself forcibly. The Apostle Paul urged us in Ephesians 4, 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The word, the use of profanity is no place in our lives. And to control the tongue means to avoid criticism. Oh, my friend. Now, this is sometimes we can become... Uh, Critics. And I, I have to say, I'm guilty here sometimes of criticism. I, I look back over at uh, James chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. Well, just because we stumble, that doesn't give us an excuse to continue. Now, we have uh, too much 3D talk today, talk that is discouraging, disparaging, and downgrading and we need to try to look for the the best in in people and uh before we hand out criticism we need to ask three questions and i i tell you what we need to memorize this i i've known it before but i i easily forget it is it necessary is it truthful sometimes we can pass that test but is it kind uh, our words should be marked by Good sense, good character, and good will. Now, James does not mean that, that those that sometimes fall in sin have a, a worthless religion, for all of us are guilty at times. He goes on, listen to verse 26. If any one among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Well, uh, what James is saying is that if anyone's tongue is habitually unbridled, though his church attendance is impeccable, his Bible knowledge envied, his prayers many, his tithes exemplary, and though he considers himself religious, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. True religion controls the tongue. Now, boy, that's convicting, folks. Uh, Once while John Wesley was preaching, he noticed a lady in the audience who was known for her critical attitude. All through the service, she sat and stared at his new tie. When the meeting ended, she came up to him and said very sharply, Mr. Wesley, the strings on your bow tie are much too long. It's an offense to me. To this, Wesley asked if any of the ladies present happened to have a pair of scissors in their purse. And when the scissors were handed to him, To him, uh, he gave them to his critic and asked her to trim the streamers to her liking. After she clipped them off near the collar, he said, "Um, "'Are you sure they're all right now?' "'Oh, yes, that's much better.' Then Wesley said, "'Well, let me have those shears for a moment. I am sure you wouldn't mind if I gave you a bit of correction. I must tell you, madam, that your tongue is an offense to me. It's too long. Please stick it out. I'd like to take some off.'" (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On another occasion, someone said to Wesley, my talent is to speak my mind. Wesley replied, well, that's one talent. God wouldn't care a bit if you buried. Controlling the tongue, that's something that we've got to do. Well, uh, second, if we're going to be a doer of the word besides controlling the tongue, we've got to have a compassionate heart. Listen to verse 27. Uh, James said, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans, and widows in their trouble. Now, orphans and widows were the most helpless people in Jewish society. During the first century, the social conditions were very hard on people for there were no agencies to protect them. Uh, Their only help was found among their brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, Old Testament law demanded that they be cared for by God's people. Well, the Lord Jesus went so far as to equate His followers' treatment of the distressed with their treatment of him. As a matter of fact, I want you to listen to Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, a thirsty, and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. I read about a minister who preached a Sunday sermon about heaven Well, next morning, as he was going to town, he met one of his wealthy members who stopped him and said, Pastor, you preached a good sermon on heaven, but you didn't tell me where heaven is. Ah, said the preacher, I'm glad of the opportunity this morning. I've just returned from the hilltop up yonder. In that cottage, there's a member of our church. She is a widow with two little children. She is sick in one bed and her two children are sick in the other bed. She doesn't have anything in the house, no coal, no bread, no meat, and no milk. If you will buy a few groceries, then go up there yourself and say, My sister, I brought these provisions in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then ask for a Bible and read Psalm 23, and then go down on your knees and pray. And if you don't see heaven before you get through, I'll pay the bill. The next morning, the man said, Pastor, I saw heaven and spent 15 minutes there as sure as you were listening. <laughs> Folks, uh, to be a doer of the you've got to word, you have a controlled tongue, a compassionate heart, and a clean life. Listen to the last part of verse uh, 27. The Bible says, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This means that we're, to, we're not to conform to the world's value system. Now, early in his ministry, uh, Dr. Babcock, who was the distinguished pastor of Buick Presbyterian Church in New York, was approached by a physician who was a member of his congregation. The physician, a good friend of Dr. Babcock, was concerned about the health of his pastor, who had been working very hard and clearly needed relaxation. Uh, handing dr babcock some theater tickets he said take these you need the recreation of going to the to this play his pastor looked at them and seeing that they were tickets to a play that he could not in good conscience attend he said kindly well thank you but i can't take them i can't go why not the physician asked you're tired and you need the entertainment then dr babcock replied somewhat in this way yes i'm tired and i do need recreation but doctor is this way you're a physician a surgeon in fact when you operate you you scrub your hands meticulously until you are antiseptically clean you wouldn't dare operate with dirty hands well i'm a servant of christ i deal with the precious human souls and i wouldn't dare do my work with a dirty life how much more necessary do we need today to keep from being polluted by this world. For example, by television programs, which would make the tickets offered to Dr. Babcock as harmless as leave it to Beaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, James is deadly serious. And if we take him serious, we will change our television viewing. The same is true, no doubt, for some of our reading habits. For others, there are places they must never set foot in again. If appropriate, tell God right now that you're quitting whatever destructive pattern that you need to renounce.
0: Oh, that's that's a great uh, illustration there at the at the end there. So uh, as we begin to wrap up here, Dad, as I was uh, thinking about this and studying it this week, I got to thinking about kind of the the modern church and where we are today in, in Christendom and in Christianity, and uh, I begin to think, uh, you know what? I think we have a lot of listeners. Um, in in the church, but I'm not sure that we got a whole lot of doers. Mm-hmm. And and you think about it, uh, we've got folks that come to Sunday schools and Bible fellowships, and they come to Sunday services and Sunday night services and Wednesday night services, and uh, maybe they listen to podcasts like the one that we're doing now and. They listen to maybe uh, some preaching on the radio. Maybe they uh, have a, a couple other authors or folks that they, they like to listen to. I just see uh, Christians doing a whole lot of listening. But unfortunately, I don't see us doing a whole lot of doing or it seems like uh, our doing is, is less than it should be. So um, as we're, we're we're getting ready to wrap up here, I just want to put that out to our audience. What are you? Um, Are you a hearer and a listener of the Word, Um, but are you also a doer of the Word? Now, that gave you uh, many examples here that James laid out of what it looks like to be a doer of the Word, Um, but my simple test is uh, to look at your life and think about uh, your spiritual growth. Um, Are you any different today in your spiritual growth and your walk with Christ than you were, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago? If not, you may have been hearing, but you've not been actually listening and doing and following the word of God. You hadn't let it mm-hmm. impenetrate it. And, and, and as James said, he used the word implanted into you and let it spring forth and grow into you. So I'd encourage you to do a little assessment of yourself and say, am I here, but I'm also a doer and is my life showing uh, uh, my spiritual life, showing a reflection that I've been listening and I've been doing and I'm Mm -hmm. better today than I was yesterday, the week before, two years before. Um, I think that's something that we all need to do. And even, you know, I myself need to assess that because I think we can all find ourselves in times where we may be more hearers than we are doers. Mm -hmm. It's an easy uh, to kind of fall back in that motion, Dad. I love the 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 words James used here about the mirror and how the Word of God is compared to a mirror, mm-hmm. because it will it'll show you exactly what you're like. Mm-hmm. But if you just look at it and go, oh, "That looks pretty bad," but then you walk on and you don't do anything about it, mm-hmm. you're never going to see anything change. Right. And so that's an easy an easy uh, thing to kind of slide back into. So I just ask all our listeners. Uh, that that uh, assess whether you're a hearer and a doer, because James, of course, is imploring us if we're going to have a living faith uh, that lives for Christ and is and is sold out for him, we need to be both uh, hearers and then, of course, a doers of the word. And then for those of you who are listening that may have stumbled upon this podcast and you got to country boys from South Carolina talking about the Word of God, and you're like, I don't understand what's going on here. I want to offer you an invitation uh, to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Everything that we've talked about today, the Word of God, uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross, if you will submit your life to Christ and you will submit your life to the Word of God, you will be completely changed, and uh, you'll drop that anger. You'll drop that uh, quick-to-speak and mouthiness that you've got. And you'll follow after the things of Christ, and it'll be an amazing transformation uh, in your life. And so if you haven't done that, I would encourage you today uh, to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of the life and turn away from all sin and all weakness and ask for forgiveness. And uh, the Bible says that uh, Jesus will be Uh, just, and He will be there to forgive you of those sins. If you'd like more information on how you can become a Christian, I would encourage you to reach out to us. You can email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com, and get in touch with us, and we will do whatever we can uh, to have a conversation with you and help share with you uh, how you can become a Christian today if you need that help. Um, Maybe you already know. You just haven't made the, the decision. Make today the day that you make that decision. There's no better day to decide to follow Jesus than it is today. Uh, The Bible says today is the day of salvation and don't put off today what you uh, don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today so well dad I, I really uh, enjoyed our, our study today I thank you for uh, coming here and, and, and doing this with us and uh, listeners I encourage you to tune back into us we'll be back in a couple weeks as we start off in uh, chapter two uh, looking at some personal favoritism and how that interacts with the living faith and so uh, please uh, tune in be reading ahead and studying along with us make sure you tell someone about the Bonfire podcast love to have you have a friend join us listen along and study together that would be a great way to use this ministry uh, to expand and and to to reach more people. Dad, if you will, pray us out of here.
1: Sure. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. And our heavenly Father, uh, words like we read today, it's good for us, Lord, to read them, read them again, and, uh, Lord, to reflect upon them and then uh, to do things to change, Lord. I pray, our heavenly Father, uh, thanking you that the word of God's like a sword. It cuts uh, all the way to the quick, our Heavenly Father. And we pray, our Heavenly Father, that your word is spoken to not only us, but everybody in the podcast today. And Father, if there are those that have not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they'll ask you for forgiveness of their sins based on what your son Jesus did, his death, his burial, and resurrection, and turn from those sins and get to living for you and help us God to uh, live more for Jesus each and every day that passes and it's in Christ's name we pray Amen Amen
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast we encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content also be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast if you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode feel free to email us at bonfireministries@gmail.com. at gmail.com